You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Yoga Bonito, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wonder Goal. My name is Michael Leboff. I am the soccer editor here at Action. And in just a moment, I will be joined by my colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And the three of us will handicap all 16 matches coming your way in the Champions League this week. And this is a very strange, just like almost like week 17 of the NFL. Like there's so many different kind of game theory, narrative based things we got to go over. We will get to all of that, but we'll start. In Group B, with one of the games of the week, that's Porto. They're plus 180 against Atletico Madrid, who are plus 160 on the road. The draw is plus 225. This is a 3 p.m. kickoff on Tuesday. And Group B sets up like this. Liverpool, uh, they're through 5-0, 15 points. They won the group. But the uh, other three teams, they can all advance through different results. Porto, they're kind of in the driver's seat right now with five points. AC Milan at four and Atletico Madrid at four points too. So basically this game for Atletico is a must win. It is a must win, not basically. And Porto, they basically need to win too because Milan is probably going to be playing a pretty undermanned Liverpool team. Is that stuff going into your handicap? How much does it matter? Do you think sometimes in situations like this, there is an overreaction? And how are you playing this match, Anthony DeBunda? Well, yeah, I think the most interesting thing here is that you know, we don't really have to worry about motivation in this game necessarily because Porto, they both need the win and a win is good enough, most likely for Atletico and will be good enough for Porto to go through here. Whereas a draw could see them both out. And that makes for a really fun uh, game state if it's late and, you know, both teams are pushing for a goal and they both need it. But I think really Porto has just been consistently undervalued in the market, the entire Champions League. I went back and looked, I've bet them in every match except the last one. Uh, and I've shown value on them in every match except the last one. And so I still see them as solid favorites here at home. Atleti, consistent overperformance of expected goals over the years has, has kind of clouded our judgment of them as this great experience knockout tournament team. And that's why they're going to find a way to win this game and go through. But when you look at the last few years, really hasn't been the case. They got they got blown out by Chelsea, choked against uh, RB Leipzig last year. They have not been good in this Champions League. They have four points. Three of them came after they were down a goal against Milan and got a red card and a penalty to win it. And then the other one came against Porto at home when they were outplayed, had 0.3 expected goals. And there was a very controversial VAR decision that VARed off the only goal 
for Porto that would have won the match and really rendered this one irrelevant. So when you look across the board in terms of box entries, shots, attacking area touches, they're very similar across the board. They're five matches in the Champions League, but Porto's at home here. So I like them. I think they're more likely to win it than not. So give me Porto, draw no bet. Yeah, and, and uh, BJ, I know your projections show a little bit of value on the under here, but is this a situation maybe like if there isn't goal early, are you going to be betting into then maybe looking for a live under as well? Because people will overreact to the fact that let's say Porto goes up one nothing. Now Madrid's got to score two goals to even have a chance to advance, but scoring is very hard in soccer and scoring is very hard against defenses like this. So set up the under, talk a little bit about some live betting strategy in these kind of games as well. Yeah, so really, if whoever goes up first in this one, they basically can just sit on that 1-0 lead. Basically, both these teams are built with their 4-4 type 2 structures, can really see a game out defensively. That's how they're set up. That's how they're built. Porto really should have beat Atletico Madrid the last time they played. They won on expected goals 1.6 to around 0.4. They created a couple big chances. But, you know, if you go back and look at the box score from that, there were only 11 total shots in that match, and not very many of them hit on target. Porto is an elite defensive team. They're only allowing 0.6 expected goals if you take away uh, the two matches against Liverpool, if you, you know, domestically and in the Champions League. On the flip side, Diego Simeone has kind of messed around with some different tactics. He's gone to more of a 3 1 4 2 formation this season in La Liga. Atletico is only allowing 0.83 expected goals per 90 minutes when playing out of it. They're still first in shots allowed per 90, box entries allowed, and crosses completed in their own penalty area in La Liga. So if Either one of these teams scores first, they can basically just sit on this lead, see it out, and they'll have second place in this group. So it is kind of juicy under two and a half at at minus 135. I would play that pregame, but depending on how far this match goes out, if somebody scores right away, I will definitely play an under. But if we drag this out, match out any longer, the odds are going to get out of our our reach. So uh, I would like to play it pregame under two and a half minus 135. But if there is a goal early, it's going to be an auto underplay for me. The other uh, game in this group features AC Milan as a plus 120 home favorite against Liverpool, who are plus 225. The draw is plus 260. Like I said, uh, Milan needs the win to have a chance to advance, really. Liverpool, if they wanted to dress their U16 team, they could do that. They have nothing to play for here. Interestingly, uh, in terms of the futures market, AC Milan is sitting at 130 to 1 to win Champions League. Atletico Madrid is 50 to 1. Uh, so it just kind of shows if you are paying attention to kind of these scenarios, you can find some value. Look, AC Milan's not going to win the Champions League, but they should basically be on par with Atletico Madrid. So just something to keep in mind uh, as we do reset towards the round of 16, that you can find some teams for no reason whatsoever at triple the price of another one that should be on level playing field with them. That being said, I don't know how you could play Liverpool in this one, especially right now. Like we're recording this on Sunday. We don't know what's going to happen uh, in terms of a lineup. They're well in it in terms of uh, their Premier League aspirations. So I don't think Jurgen Klopp is going to do anything to jeopardize either the Premier League nor the Champions League by dressing a really, really strong 11. So I think it's Milan or nothing here. Anthony, last time we talked, like there was nothing on the table for Liverpool. You still kind of like them at the price. Is that the case here again? Yeah, I certainly lean that way. Liverpool's win against Porto was a bit misleading when you look at the expected goals chances. Porto missed a couple of big chances. Liverpool took theirs. But Liverpool also still started Sadio Mane and and Mo Salah in that game. And if the two of them are in the game, they have way more attacking talent than Milan does. Milan's also got a ton of injuries piling up. David Calabria, Simon Kier, who's out for the year now. Antti Rebic is out. Olivier Giroud is out. Pietro Pellegri is out. So they're out a lot of attackers and defenders. And that's a pretty concerning situation going up against Liverpool here. 
But I think Klopp may rotate his attackers even more here because two or three weeks ago, Liverpool was in a different situation domestically where they were only playing one game a week. But we're getting very close now to the festive period where they're going to have three, four games in two-week period in the Prem which is obviously a much more important competition for them at the current moment, given that they've already qualified and that they're in a title race, a three-way title race. Uh, Milan's also been worse than their point total suggests. Terrible attacking numbers against Porto and Atleti. But you could make an argument that they'd play better in a more open game against Liverpool. And Liverpool played pretty open against Porto. And when they've had nothing on the line in the past, they've been very open at the back. So I think this could be a back and forth kind of game, but definitely at the price, it's got to be Liverpool or pass. Moving on to group A, this one, uh, straightforward city 12 points they won the group already psg on eight points they're through as well leipzig and bruges they're both at four points winner or whoever gets a result basically out of their two respective matches will get a spot in the europa league which does carry some weight for both of these clubs given their situations right now we'll start with psg uh they're minus 310 hosting bruges who are eight to one on the money line the draw is five to one uh this group's kicking off 12 45 p.m I think it's Bruges or nothing just because we'll look at the lineups. Same as you were talking about with Liverpool. You got to take a look to see who PSG plays. But we know this PSG team does have plenty of flaws, especially defensively. And the fact that they're playing 10 on seven uh, when they are defending. So I think Bruges is worth a look at a big, big number here because of the situation that PSG is in. But I'm going to need to see the lineup for the Parisians before I enact on it. BJ. Is that kind of how you're looking for this one? This is these two matches, I think, are really complicated to sort through just because of the stakes at play, plus the two teams that have nothing to play for are just so damn talented. Right. And that's the thing is that this match needs absolutely nothing to PSG. So you really question how much they're gonna care about it, but then you go look at their domestic campaign and they're on top of league on by a ton of points. So it's like, okay, which one are they gonna take seriously? We don't really know. I Am leaning towards taking Bruges plus one and a half, which scares the hell out of me right now because of how bad they've been defensively their last three Champions League matches. But in that first meeting against PSG, they did deserve, deservingly get a 1-1 draw. They won the expected goals battle 1.4 to 1.2. They have given up a total of 15.4 expected goals in five Champions League matches. But what happens a lot with Bruges and a lot of other smaller sides is that if their opponent scores first, and they have to come out of whatever type of defensive structure they are in, it's a nightmare for them trying to play an open game with RB Leipzig, Man City, and PSG, because they just can't do that. I do think that there is a shot that with PSG, you know, Neymar's out, obviously, but Mbappe and Messi not really defending if they even play in this one. There is a chance that Bruges may sit defensively and just try and hit him on the counter. With that being said, they do have to try and go win this one. PSG, I mean, we've, we've said it every single week, Minus 1.9 expected goal differential uh, in the Champions League, which is just terrible. This is their sixth match in 18 days. You could see some squad rotation. You could see some of the backups in. No Neymar, no Ander Herrera, no Draxler. So I only have PSG projected at minus 174. So I'll take Bruges plus one and a half at even money. But again, like you said, kind of got to wait and see how matchups or lineups come out. Might want to play it early if we if there's some rumors that PSG might be sitting guys. But at the time of taking this, we'll take Bruges plus one and a half at even money. We both cashed a little PSG fade again at the weekend against Lens. Shout out to Lens Let's for go. That, uh, that, that draw they got. Uh, just absolute cash cow. But it seems like the market's catching up. If we go back to the beginning of the season when these two teams played at Bruges, PSG was minus one and a half on the road. And both teams' score was about minus 105. Well, now at home, PSG minus one and a half, 
both teams to score minus 150. So it seems like the market's catching up to PSG not being quite as good as we think and not quite as good as maybe the public thinks. We've been kind of anti-PSG for a while here. There's also a good messy rest spot. He's played a lot of minutes. He's coming back from that stomach issue that he had. Good spot here for him to maybe not play. I do expect Mbappe to play. So I'm going to pass here. I think it's a good get right spot for PSG at home. But again, can't trust them. The one maybe look here, you know, we get to like the 20th, 30th minute. Maybe the other games aren't particularly exciting. Uh, you can get in on some live both teams to score. Because I do think Bruges will get on the board here. I just don't want to lay minus 150. I think you'll get a better price live if they don't grab an early goal. But other than that, I'm going to stay away from this one and probably stay away from our next match that we're going to talk about too. Yeah, Leipzig, uh, they're plus 245, home underdogs against Manchester City plus 105. The draw is plus 285. Like I said, this is uh, 1245 p.m. kickoffs on Tuesday. Uh, Leipzig just uh, sacked manager, American manager, Jesse Marsh. Uh, They need this win, I think, right? Like they're going to have a new manager coming in. They're going to want to salvage something from the season in terms of their European aspirations. Uh, So a trip to Europa League has some weight uh, for this club. It's just so hard to bet against the city team without knowing what they're going to do. I, I mean, I, I'm assuming Pep is going to play his B squad, but the Man City B squad in all likelihood is probably better than the RB Leipzig A squad. So it's for me, it's Leipzig or nothing, but in all likelihood, I'll be passing on this one. I'm much more interested in, if I had to choose between these two matches, a bet to make, it would be Bruges 8-1 to one over Leipzig plus 245. BJ, do you see any value in Leipzig versus City? No, I mean, purely from a projection standpoint, I have City projected at minus 125, but you take in the motivation level that this match doesn't matter to City. They're playing Wolves this weekend, which is going to be a uh, pretty big match for them in the Premier League, given title race that we have going on right there. So I do think this is a pass, you know, new manager bump for RB Leipzig, but man, they have so many defensive issues right now. And that last match against Manchester City, the first time they met, boy, City just torched them left and right and just down the wings, down the center. It was terrible. So for me... It's a pass. It's hard to put, you know, a numerical value on motivation for teams like this. And especially when, you know, they've already won the group. So uh, it's a pass for me, but I hope RB Leipzig wins. Yeah. What is the city rotated squad? Because they have like seven very good attackers and they play three or four of them. So like they could rotate half the team and yeah. still be putting out a team yeah, and finishing the top four in the Premier League. And we're here uh, handicapping motivation. And then you think about those guys that are coming in, right? They're they want to play. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, so it is, it is there, like I was saying right off the top, a lot of times when you take into fact these motivational handicap angles, you do have to then weigh the counter argument. Uh, and a lot of times bookmakers are smart, right? They know what they're doing and they know what we're thinking. So, yeah, I think over three is like minus 125 here. I'm looking at, it's going to be a very popular trendy pick. You're going to see a lot of people say, Oh, Leipzig can't defend. Oh, City's been giving up goals in Europe. I only have 2.96 projected. If I played anything, it might be like a live under if there's an early goal. But again, you know, the City games at the end of last season two, once nothing was on the line, all of a sudden there were goals galore in their games, when they, especially when they played the reserve defenders. Like if Kyle Walker doesn't play, he's very good over the top, sweeping kind of up messes that the City high line tends to allow. But it's really hard to, like you mentioned, it's hard to handicap, you know, what city's situation is going to be here. But I think over three is going to be a very popular pick, but it's not one that I'm going to be making because it seems a little expensive. Well, yeah, you could also see a situation where like, you know, RB Leipzig could get caught scoreboard watching. If Bruges just, just starts getting, you know, obliterated by PSG and they see that, we can see them shut it down and just say, hey, you know what, we've got third place locked up. So let's, and the only uh, way Leipzig doesn't get third is if they lose and, and Bruges wins, right? Yeah. So, so you could see them just sit back and just say, you know what? We're fine with the draw. We got third place. We're going to the Europa League. 
and just move on. Plus, you know, it is a new manager. So typically, you know, new interim managers like to set up a little more defensive and don't play as aggressive as, you know, normal managers who have a secure job. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, this one's definitely a pass for me. A little more straightforward in the next match we'll discuss. That's Real Madrid at home. They're plus 110. Inter Milan traveling to the Bernabeu. They're plus 255. The draw is plus 245. 3 p.m. kickoff Eastern time. Real Madrid is at the top of Group D at 12 points. Enters at 10. They're both through. If there is a winner of this match, that winner wins this group. Sheriff is at six points. Shakhtar is at one. So they're both out with Sheriff automatically already qualifying for the Europa League. This is an interesting match because... Finishing first in a group is, is a big deal, right? You're going to avoid a, a possible chance to play Man City or a possible chance to play Liverpool, Ajax. You know, these, these are really dangerous teams uh, in the round of 16. So I think both teams will, this is, you know, seems obvious, but they will both play their strongest 11 if they can, barring injuries. And I think that this match sets up pretty well for Inter Milan. We've been going against Real Madrid. It's not been working at all. Uh, we did it again over the weekend, or at least I did. It didn't work. But look, this is a team that is overperforming. They they are built to overperform their metrics, I think, with uh, you know Kareem Benzema and Vini Jr. Like these are really really skilled individuals. Uh, but at some point, it's going to catch up to them. Uh, and I'll back Inter here. I like the money line, hoping maybe it does tick up a little bit uh, with Madrid at home. Uh, but that's where I'm going to be looking towards. It's Inter or nothing for me. Anthony, what about you? Yeah, I'll just read it off. Like if you finish second, your potential opponents are Chelsea, Man City, Ajax, Bayern, Liverpool, Man United, and whoever wins that other group that we haven't decided yet. If you get first, your opponents are Atalanta, Juventus, Sporting, Barcelona slash Benfica, Milan, Porto, Atleti. I mean, the quality of those teams does not even compare to the quality of those first teams. And we saw last week when Chelsea played Juventus, they absolutely wanted multiple goals because they knew they needed multiple goals to win that group. So I'm expecting a full go here. But one person who will not be a full go is Karim Benzema. He went off early against Sociedad. Uh, Didn't matter. They won anyway, but he will be out for this game. And Madrid has their derby on Saturday against Atleti as a look ahead, whereas Inter has a huge tilt, a home match against Cagliari. Not quite. So uh, expecting uh, Inter here marginally better across all five games in the group. They were better in the first leg. And the one thing here. They're in much better league form in terms of performances. When you look at how much Inter's been dominating Serie A, if you read what I wrote a couple of weeks ago, still time to get in on Inter to win the league because they are going to win the league. But given that Real also only needs a point here, I like the plus a half on Inter Milan at minus 130. If it's tied late, Real will take the point. They'll take the group. Whereas I also think Inter has an edge here in my numbers, uh, make it much closer to a pick than it currently is. And so I like uh, Inter Milan here. You know, you, you mentioned the game theory thing, whereas Real Madrid only really only needs to draw to, to win the group. But we've seen with Real Madrid this year on Ancelotti, they are not like Real Madrid teams past, like under Zan, who had that defensive type structure, who could see a game out 0-0 like that. Defensively, there's no way they can do that right now. So without Benzema, it's kind of, you know, I question if Real Madrid does come out defensively, can they actually stop Inter? I mean, Inter's averaging 2.3 expected goals per match in Serie A. They're an offensive juggernaut right now. And in Champions League play, they've created 11.2 expected goals in their five matches. So they Inter really should have won the first match. They won on expected goals, uh, two to 1.1. It was just 89th Rodrigo goal uh, was the difference. But man, I have a hard time seeing how Real Madrid, even if they do sit up defensively, is going to stop Inter. And like Anthony mentioned, if they only needed a draw, we could see without Kareem Benzema and them really parked the bus in front in front of the 18-yard box. So I, I agree with Anthony. I like Inter plus half a goal, minus 130. Yeah, you know, if it's 1-1 late, Inter's going to be the one going for the goal, not necessarily Real. And I think that helps us here. 
situation. Exactly. Normally, you'd, you'd expect both teams to be going for the win. In this case, only one side will be. Uh, and that's why I think that draw protection helps quite a bit. All right, real quick, we'll talk about the other one uh, in this group. And it's very ugly. The degenerate special shock tires minus 185 at home against Sheriff Tiraspol, who were five to one on the money line. The draw is plus 340. This is 3 p.m. kickoff. Sheriff is automatically in Europa League, which is a huge accomplishment for this team from the disputed territory of Transnistria in Moldova. They were not expected to do anything, and they they weren't expected to be in the group stage of the Champions League, and they got here, and now they're into Europa League, so good for them. But, I mean, for me, it's there's no motivation for either side here. I, I would say if you if you put a gun to my head, it would be Sheriff at 5-1 to one or nothing, but I really don't think uh, we need to go too far into this one. BJ, you do have a point to make, though. I have a weather update. Is what I have. Oh, it's course. gonna be it's gonna be snowing a lot in this in this game. I just checked it, and in Kiev, it's gonna be you know one to three inches. So that could potentially play into you know the total or something like that. But I mean, we've seen it from Sheriff in this Champions League. They love to just sit deep and just try to hit people on the counter, and they haven't really provided much going forward offensively. You know, they've only created three point four expected goals. So. There could be a situation we obviously, you know, we're trying to handicap motivation. I don't know where Shakhtar is at. I don't know if they're actually going to want to try and win this game or if they say, you know what, who cares? We're already out and just give it up. So I could potentially be looking uh, at an under uh, of three goals, but right now it's just a pass for me. But if you want to watch a snow game, that's the game for you. Snowver's not quite effective in soccer like they are in football. No, but, uh, no not really. But still right. fun to watch. Yeah, it's a fun exactly. thing. It is fun to watch players try to. I mean, they're just so cold all the time. Group C, IX, who we all love. We all have futures on from the beginning. Anthony jumped in a little late, but we won't get on him for that. They topped the group 15 points, already done and dusted. Sporting, they're through on nine points, done and dusted. Dortmund into Europa League at six points, also done and dusted. And Besiktas, they'll be going home. No more European football for them, already done and dusted. IX minus 200 against Sporting in the Netherlands. Lisbon is plus 550 on the road. The draw is plus 370. This is 3 p.m. kickoff. One thing I do want to touch on, IX 20 to 1 right now in the futures market through, like I said, and Sporting is 200 to 1. Uh, so look, both these teams are already into the round of 16 and you just see the disparity. Not like, yeah, IX is a much, much better team than Sporting. Um, but like we were talking about before, finishing second in a group, your path is just so much harder that they are 10 times the price of IX. And I think coming into the tournament, you would have said the margin probably wasn't so wide between these teams. Obviously, IX has showed a lot better than expected. Sporting too, by the way, they've been impressive. Um, but that just goes to show you how difficult the task is going to be for teams that do uh, finish second in the group with the way the draw is set up. I've got nothing in this one. Anthony, do you have anything you want to mention about either one of these teams? Yeah, you know, IX does have a little bit of defensive regression coming, and they don't really have a reason to play here. Uh, they only conceded twice in the group stage so far, or three times, excuse me, in the, in the group stage so far. Two were penalties to both Besiktas and Dortmund, and then they conceded a wonder goal to uh, Sporting in the first leg. But they have allowed 5.3 expected goals. So I, I think they're a, they've been a little bit lucky, especially in those Dortmund games. Uh, and that probably will come back down to earth here. But when you look at both teams to score, it's pretty expensive. Similar to the PSG game, I think if you're looking to play anything in this game, you want to look towards a both teams to score or maybe a sporting team total over if you're you know, 20, 30 minutes in and there still hasn't been a goal. Uh, I think that's a good spot to get in on sporting because I do think they have a good chance to score here in a game that Ajax doesn't really need. Yeah, I kind of like the honor. I mean, this match means nothing to either team because, you know, sporting obviously has the uh, tiebreaker over Dortmund. So they've secured second place. I question the motivation level for either team. You know, Ajax in that match against Besiktas, you know, it's clear when it came out from the beginning that they 
didn't look like they were really up for it and really cared that much. And, you know, Mashita scored early, which kind of put the match on its head. But obviously, Ajax just thrashed Sporting 5-1 the first time they, they played. But Sporting is a much better defensive team than they showed in that match. They're only allowing they only allowed 9.5 expected goals in 13 domestic matches in Portugal this season. If you throw out that match against Ajax, they've only allowed around four expected goals in Champions League play. With this match meaning nothing, I do think that a situation like this, when we see Ajax's offense and we see obviously Sporting's numbers, which a lot of that has been put up against Besiktas, we kind of overlook how good both these teams defensively are. Ajax, I understand that they're overperforming a little bit in the Champions League, but domestically they've only they're only allowing you know around 0.5 uh, expected goals in the area to be and you know they domestically they're only one point up on Feyenoord so they have to take uh, a match against AZ Alkmaar very very seriously this weekend so I wouldn't be surprised if Holler's on the bench if Anthony's on the bench maybe even Tadic is on the bench so this may be a wait and see type situation when the lineups come out because it really wouldn't surprise me if they say we're going to rest these guys and we're going to focus on area to building a lead there so I actually like under three goals uh, at minus 110. I only have around 2.5 goals projected for this one. So I do think this situation where without much motivation, it's hard for me to kind of see how much these teams will actually care with two very good defensive sides. So under three goals, minus 110 for me. And it's kind of the opposite for you in the next one, which is Dortmund. They're minus 350 heavy favorites against Besiktas, who are nine to one. The draw is five to one. It's a 3 p.m. kickoff uh, as well on Tuesday. Like we said, Dortmund, they're already through to Europa League. Besiktas got nothing to play for. I think like if you had to choose a money line here, it's, it's Besiktas or nothing, but I'm going to pass most likely just because you, you are expecting a very thin Dortmund team. Whereas like a, a win for Besiktas, yeah, it doesn't mean anything, right? But like a, a win in Dortmund, that's, you know, still something like a feather in the cap kind of thing for a Turkish Super League team. Uh, but you, BJ, you're, you're projecting maybe a back and forth one here, huh? Yeah, God bless Besiktas. I mean, they're so, so bad defensively and are trying to play open games with teams like Dortmund and Ajax and even Sporting. And boy, it is just not working. They've allowed 16.6 expected goals in five matches, which is the most of anybody in the Champions League. Against Dortmund, the last time they played them, they were pretty good in the second half and towards the end, maybe could have gotten a draw at the end, but Dortmund still created 2.5 expected goals, had 40 touches in Besiktas' penalty area and 27 shot-creating actions. And, you know, who knows if Erling Holland's going to play, you know, this is probably a wait and see type situation. If I were to play right now, I do like over three and a half goals at even money, but I am going to wait and see what lineup Dortmund puts out there. Cause if Holland is not in, that is huge because with Holland in the lineup this season, Dortmund is averaging 2.13 expected goals per match without him around only 1.7. Like I said, Besiktas, God bless them. They love to play these type of open games. They just gave up three expected goals to Ajax in a match that Ajax it meant absolutely nothing to Ajax. So I do like over three and a half goals at even money. I do want to wait though for lineups and make sure that Holland's in there because he's obviously huge for Dortmund offensively. All right, let's uh Wednesday. We'll start with a really intriguing matchup. Bayern Munich, they're minus 140 home favorites against Barcelona, plus 330 on the road. The draw is plus 350. This is a 3 p.m. kickoff on Wednesday. Group E sets up like this. Bayern, they're through uh, and have won the group with 15 points. Barcelona, they're on seven points. Benfica at five points and Dinamo, they're out of uh, any sort of European competition at one. But Barcelona, they need to win this game. They need to win this game to get through because you'd imagine that Benfica, who are minus 320 favorites against Dinamo, will take care of business. Uh, And if they win and Barcelona, I mean, they can maybe pass through with the draw, but it's going to 
be a win or a lot of trouble for Barcelona, um, who are coming off another unlucky loss over the weekend. They uh, won on XG, then lost, but lost 2-1, I believe, to Real Betis. They have a plus 8.2 expected goal differential from open play in La Liga. They deserve to be much higher up on the table than they actually are. And you just wonder if the motivation for Bayern is, let's just knock this team out, right? Like, let's just knock Barcelona out of the Champions League. That's always fun to do. But I, I do think that I'll wait for the lineups on Bayern Munich, uh, see what they're they're going to be cooking with on Wednesday afternoon. But I, I would go to Barcelona or nothing here. But like I said, I'm, I'm definitely going to wait for the lineups here. Anthony, what about you? <sighs> you know, Barcelona broke my heart in the last match. They had a chance to, to cash that, that ticket for me to go through and they had a goal disallowed, missed a bunch of chances, almost lost in the final seconds. Uh, Harry Safarovic missing a sitter that would have knocked Barcelona out for all, you know, all competitive purposes. I'm not sure. I, I, th- I think I agree with you and what you said about Bayern. They have a chance to knock out Barcelona from the competition. They know that Xavi will probably have them playing better as they get, you know, more time under him, even though their squad's nowhere near the, the talent level needed. So I expect some minor changes from, from Bayern, but I also know that Lewandowski is trying to win a golden boot in the, uh, the champions league here. He's, Currently got one a one goal edge over Sebastian Haller. Uh, I know that Bayern, when they rotate, it's kind of like City, where like, okay, yeah, we're gonna sit Gnabry and we're gonna sit Coman. So instead, you know, we're gonna play Jamal Musiala, or we're gonna play, uh, you know, Alfonso instead of Alfonso Davies, we're gonna play Lucas Hernandez at left back. And, and so there's a lot of options that Bayern has. They can rotate their squad and still put out a great lineup. Kimmich will not play. And, and I was pretty concerned about how open Bayern looked against Dortmund. I was not particularly impressed by their performance in that game. I felt Dortmund's mistakes led to goals more than Bayern's good play. Right now, it's a pass. I lean towards Bayern at the number just because, uh, you know, betting Bayern against Barcelona has been a very profitable uh, venture for, for uh, me in the last two years. And I think, you know, stylistically, it's a terrible matchup for Barcelona if Bayern's all in. Uh, but right now, it's a pass. But I'll be, I'll be waiting on some team news Going to be watching uh, Nagelsmann closely over the next couple of days, trying to figure out if he tips his hand on what what his lineup's going to be. Uh, But if it's a full go team, how do you not play Bayern at minus 135 at home, minus 140? Yeah, and and then, like I said, the next match is really funny because it's just funny to see Benfica as a minus 320 favorite is is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Against any team, maybe outside of like, you know, Sheriff. And I know Dinamo's been bad, but still, this number is highly inflated because of the stakes, right? Benfica a win and a Bayern loss or draw, depending on the goal differential sees them through Dinamo. Do they really want it? Like, does it matter to play spoilers in this spot? You know, I don't think so for it's different for these kind of teams. I think like this isn't going to Dortmund or it's not going to Ajax and spoiling something. This is going to Benfica. It's a little different. Maybe that's getting too deep into it. Uh, but like I said, Benfica, huge favorites, Dinamo, they're nearly 10 to one on the money line. They're plus nine fifty. The draws plus four fifty. This is a 3 PM kickoff as well. BJ, do you think that this number is just like completely out of whack because of the motivation here? Yeah, I think it's definitely out of whack. But the problem is, you know, if you've watched Dino Kiev play in the Champions League, it's they're offensively, they're really bad. They can't provide anything going on forward. They uh, only have 3.5 expected goals in five matches. But defensively, they've actually been pretty good. And, you know, from the beginning, at least in the Ukrainian Premier League this year, they're only allowing around 0.6 uh, expected goals per match. It's a very well-organized side. Again, they just can't do much offensively. But their last two matches against Barcelona and Bayern Munich, they only allowed 1.18 expected goals to Bayern and only 0.93 to Barcelona. And I understand Bayern had nothing to play for. But that's still, for one of these bottom-of-the-league sides, that's still very, very impressive. So, again, similar to Shakhtar, 
you know, when you have a last place team where the match means absolutely nothing, you question how much does it mean to them? Are they actually going to set up that type of defensive structure? Or are they just going to say, who cares? Let's play open. Let's actually try to score, you know, do something offensively. So it's a pass for me. I lean Dinamo Kiev, but you know, again, it's very hard for me to get behind them with how bad their offense has been. And without knowing what type of lineup and what type of style of play they're going to come out in. Yeah. I, I want to see where this number goes, right? Let's, can, can it go higher exactly. than minus 320? Yeah. Like I really want to see uh, yeah. where it goes. Um, Cause if it does, like if, if we're seeing Dinamo out there, like 11 to one, good God, you know, I'm not yeah, going to look away from I that. mean, if we can get Dinamo at plus two and a half, I mean, oof, I might, I, w- I would take the plus two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it could get higher. I mean, we've seen with these champions, like, especially with people buy into motivation a lot. And, you know, so these lines move very, very quickly and a lot, pretty much only towards the teams that have something to play for. So yeah, it's, it's Dinamo or nothing here. Yeah. We're not going to get it to in the end, but you know, plus one and a half at plus money I'm in on uh Dinamo. Cause the thing is here, Benfica doesn't need to win by a lot. A right. win will do. And, and, and so, they're not, you know, they're not a team that can, they're not a team that scores a ton right, exactly. domestically or, you know, re- relatively domestically or has looked great in attack in this champions league either. Uh, and right. so they, they've been very good on the counter, but they have not been good. You know, when they played the first leg of this match, they had, I think it was 1.1 expected goals. They got a very controversial bar decision that went their way in stoppage time or they would have lost. Uh, and so, you know, I don't really trust them to get margin here, but I need a better number before I happen. Yeah. And, you know, especially with this, you know, they could get caught scoreboard watching and just see if, you know, if Bayern's up on, on Barcelona and they're already up, you know, maybe one, if they're up one zero, they're a really good defensive team and they could just shut it down and say, you know what, Kiev, you're not scoring anymore. We'll take the one zero result and we'll move on to this round of 16. Could have three Portuguese teams in the round of 16 of the Champions League and one and French team. Yeah. And you know what that means? is that the French league is now going to be sixth in the weight coefficients and Portugal is going to be five. All right, let's scamper over to group H or as they like to say in England, H Chelsea is at the top on 12 points. Juventus in second place on 12 points. Zenit, they're already through to the Europa league at four points. Malmo with one point. We'll look at the Chelsea match first. They're on the road at Zenit who are plus 500 home underdogs. Chelsea minus 190, the trust plus 340. This is a 1245 PM kickoff. Uh, Chelsea does need to win to advance and they are big favorites. There's really no reason why they shouldn't. I'm expecting a big performance from Chelsea here. They've, they've wobbled a little bit in domestically. So this could be a boat race, but of course going to Russia in the winter is not going to be fun. Uh, and I'm pretty sure BJ has some boots on the ground with some weather reports for us. Yeah. It's uh it's negative two in St. Petersburg right now. And it's going to be like maybe two or three degrees. Uh, by match time, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it's an English team going there. So they're used to the colds. That's not that big of a handicap, but you know, again, this is a, this is a motivation question right here for Zenit. You know, they've already clinched third place. They're going to the Europa league. Are they really going to care? I mean, obviously it's, it's huge for, you know, one of these Russian teams to be an English team. I'm sure they absolutely love that. Zenit is a very, very good defensive outfit. This, this last match, they, you know, Chelsea only beat them one, nothing uh, when they played the first time, but Zenit didn't really provide much going forward. I'm going to watch this line and I'm going to watch it creep. And if I can get Zenit at plus one and a half, I might have to pull the trigger because Chelsea's dealing with some injuries right now. Cause we got Chilwell, Conte, Havertz, Chaloba, possibly Marco Alonso are all going to be out for this one. So there's the potential. I might be playing Zenit plus one and a half, even though it doesn't really mean anything to them in the frigid cold uh, of Northern Russia. So it's Zenit or nothing here. I think. 
the biggest favorites of this match week, match week six, are Juventus. They're minus 550 at home, hosting Malmo out of Sweden. They're 14 1. The draw is 7 1. Another 12.45 p.m. kickoff. I got nothing to really say about this one. It's pretty straightforward, right? Like, do you want to? Do I, if I could make a bet here, it would be probably backing Malmo to keep it close at like plus two BJ. I know yeah. you're looking that way as well. So, we're yeah, not doing so it. we're not doing Yeah, it. no, no, we might be. Um, I, I want to first get out to Juventus today. Pitch the shutout. No shot for Genoa uh, at uh, to enter in today. Zero um, shots for Shevchenko's men. Uh, that's worth a shout yeah, out. Yeah, so this is, this is an interesting one because. I, I think I mentioned this twice, but uh, Malmo just uh, their league just finished uh, this past weekend. They won. They were actually tied on points with uh, second place and uh, they won on goal differential. So this is their last match of the year. So it's basically all or nothing. They got nothing else to play for. So it's, you know, I mean, man, they stink so bad. <laughs> They're so bad offensively. And Juventus, you know, the first time they played, Malmo held up for like the first 30 minutes, then Chelsea scored and it all, you know, all hell broke loose. But Man, if there's a chance, you know, it, if Malmo can get to two and a half, maybe even three, you know, given the fact that Juventus has to win, I might be doing it. I might have to because that's getting a little crazy, you know. I mean, projection-wise, I mean, I only have Juventus around, you know, minus 250. So this is obviously a motivation-level uh, type of game. So this one could get a little crazy. You know, 538 has Juventus at 85%. So um, I'm a little concerned that Juventus or the Malmo may already have their ho- holidays booked. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, but, going south for the winter. Yeah, but well, you, right. can start their, you can start their holiday early by going yeah, south I mean, to Turin. Yeah, and, you go to uh, Turin and then you go down to southern Italy and, and then you yeah. go from there. It's fine. We'll move on from Malmo. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Malmo. This is the last episode we're going to probably have to talk about him. So that's wonderful. Uh, let's move on. Group G. This is probably the group of the tournament. Lil at the top at eight points. Salzburg, second, seven points. Sevilla, sixth points in third and Wolfsburg at five points at the foot. Everybody can make it. Everybody can be eliminated. If you lose, you're eliminated in the way that this, these two matches set up and Wolfsburg, they are in a precarious position of hosting Lil. Wolfsburg is plus 125 at home in Germany. Lil plus 235 on the road. The draws plus 235 as well. 3 p.m. kickoff. Uh, Wolfsburg off a three nothing loss to uh, Mainz over the weekend, and they've been bang average in the Bundesliga this year. Lille, on the other hand, their results are not great in Ligue 1, but their underlying metrics are terrific. I I think you're getting a really good number on Lille here. And I know, like, Lille only needs a point to advance, I believe. So, like, it's maybe they're set up, the bookmakers are reading into that, which is why you're looking at Lille and the draw being at the same price. But I just think that the number here is too good to go against a pretty mediocre side in Wolfsburg. BJ, what about you? Yeah, I like under two and a two and a half goals at minus one hundred five. I've talked, I think I've talked about it like four or five different times. I know people are like sick of hearing me just talk about league on and over and over again and Lil. But defensively this season, they've allowed twenty four goals, but only conceded fifteen point seven expected goals. And even in the Champions League, they've only allowed four point nine expected goals in five matches. And this match, it's really going to set up perfect for them because Lil plays out of a very defensive four four two formation. And a lot of times this season, for whatever reason, they've gone down early and they've been forced to you know, basically get out of that, play more open, go more forward. Well, now they're going to be in a situation where they don't have to be the aggressors. They can pretty much just sit back and potentially play for a draw because if they watch the scoreboard, because if they look up and they see that Sevilla is beating Salzburg, which we all hope is happening, then that just guarantees them the group with a draw because they have the tiebreaker over Sevilla. So 
I think that this is a situation where them playing so defensive against a Wolfsburg team that has been really bad offensively in the Champions League, only 4.5 expected goals created in five matches. Additionally, the last time these two teams played, Wolfsburg only had two shots and granted they did get a red card in the 63rd minute, but only 0.1 expected goals and didn't do anything offensively against Lowe's defense. I only have 1.85 goals projected for this one. So I understand the motivation for Wolfsburg. They have to go for this. They have to play open, but Lowe doesn't necessarily have to do that. And they can sit back and play pretty defensive and try to hit Wolfsburg on the counter. So I like under two and a half goals and minus 105. Yeah, this is crazy. I mean, the, the the first game they played in France, open two and a half minus 115, closed 145. And I understand that there is now a motivational reason for this game to be open, sort of, but I don't see it. Uh, and, and what PJ mentioned, Wolfsburg has not registered 10 shots in a Champions League game yet. And they're not playing, you know, these tip-top defenses necessarily, you know, and, and especially even when they played at home, They've been a little better, but they haven't been great. They have 1.1 expected goals against Sevilla. Not not particularly impressive stuff overall, and they have yet to uh, really have a a good Champions League performance, except when they played Salzburg in a spot where they had the new manager. And Florian Kohlfeldt has come in, and he's improved them a little bit, but it seems like they're, they're heading back towards what's a very average side in terms of going forward. They've lost three in a row in all competitions since the Kohlfeldt manager bump where they were unbeaten in four. So if you look at their schedule, it's literally lost, 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 lost. Okay, we fire Van Bommel. Win, 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 draw. And now it's lost, lost, lost. So it seems like they're heading back down the slope here. They only managed 0.3 expected goals against Sevilla on the road, 0.1 against Leo on the first leg. My number is 1.96. So I agree with BJ. Under two and a half. Crazy number here. Minus 105. Have to take it. Hopefully there's not early goals that turn this into chaos. So you two on the under, I like Lil on the money line. Let's move on to the other match, which was also set up to be high drama. Salzburg at home, plus 195. Underdogs to Sevilla, who are plus 155. The draw, plus 220. Another 3 p.m. kickoff on Wednesday. Sevilla's defensive numbers in La Liga are spectacular. 11 goals against. They're averaging 0.94 expected goals against per 90 minutes in La Liga. But in the Champions League for some reason that number is ballooned to 1.38 expected goals against per 90 uh, I think the team that plays in La Liga is more in tune of what we we will see over the long term uh should this team stick around than the one that has showed up for this group G which has been hilariously weird uh so I think Sevilla's this is a great number on Sevilla plus 155 yeah they're on the road but they are one of the best teams in La Liga their results show that out their underlying metrics show that out and Salzburg for as exciting as they are and, and as well as they started in this group, uh, I think this number is way too high on them. I would play Sevilla down to like plus 130 on the money line here. I, I really do believe in them. I also don't hate a punt on them at a big number. I think they're 200 to one right now in the futures market to win this whole thing. Because once these teams get through, if they do get through, they are a bear to deal with in, in, in a knockout football because of how well they play defensively. So I'll take Sevilla here on the money line. And BJ, you're coming with me. Exactly. So a little handicapping thing here. So obviously, you know, we all love Sevilla on this one for everybody out there. If you're thinking about betting Sevilla or maybe the protection of the draw no bet line, don't go to the draw no bet line because Sevilla has to win this game. They have to go for it. So there's much more value in betting the plus 155 for a team that has to go for it, has to win. That first match against Salzburg was maybe one of the more painful matches I think I've ever watched in my life. Salzburg got three penalties in the first half, I believe, and missed two of them. So you look at expected goals, you see, oh, Salzburg, you know, it was 1-1, but they won, you know, 3 to to 1.8 on expected goals. Well, with three penalties, that means they only uh, created 0.75 expected goals from open play. But the Sevilla team, 
they're so good at playing to the style of their opponents. So what I mean by that is basically Sevilla sees how their opponents set up. They're very good at mixing their tactics, mixing their formations so that it's very favorable to them against the opponent, their style of play. So they're playing a high pressing, you know, tempo fast team. So what's going to be going to do. They're going to try to play the ball out of the back. They're going to play very slow. They're going to get some combination passes going forward and they can do that against Salzburg. Now in that first match, they also got a red card, I believe in the 50th minutes. So that threw everything out of, out of loop for them to, for a chance to win. So this is a team that's playing really well. You know, they just beat Villarreal on the weekend, had put up a very good defensive performance there. Salzburg starting to leak some goals left and right, especially defensively. That match against Wolfsburg, they were not very good defensively. I love Sevilla plus 155. I think, they have, I think I'm projected at uh, plus 117. So I think you're getting good value at plus 155. Yeah, I, th- I think Salzburg's a little overvalued still in the market here. Uh, some of the metrics like 538 like them more than I do. I think they're a good team. I wish they could also go through. I was rooting for Sevilla and Salzburg to go both go through here. But unfortunately, that will not be the case. One of them will be going home, it looks like. Uh, but I agree with BJ, and, and I to not repeat exactly what he said, uh, my handicap is similar. I like them on the money line here. Typically, like to take draw no bet. think they have to push for the goal here. My concern, if Sevilla gets up, their ability to shut games down can kind of frustrate this Salzburg team, grind the game to a halt, make Salzburg play at a slower pace, make it very difficult for them to score. I think it's a good spot for Sevilla, even on the road here, correctly favored and should be a little bit bigger of a favorite than they are. Vamos, uh, Sevilla. And let's wrap up with Group F. Manchester United, they're through on 10 points. Villarreal at seven points. Atalanta at six points. And Young Boys at four points. All three of these teams can make it through depending on how things go. Young Boys obviously have quite the mountain to climb. But Atalanta is playing Villarreal. They are hosting them. Uh, They are minus 130 favorites in Bergamo. Villarreal plus 330. The draw plus 320. 3 p.m. kickoff on Wednesday. This is a fun one to set up on a, in terms of game state because Villarreal gets through with just a draw while Atalanta needs the win. So depending on how this game plays out, fun one to live bet if you're into uh, following these kind of chaos series. Look, I, I, I rarely lay big juice with teams. I want to say minus 130 is, is huge juice, but I, I'm looking towards Atalanta or nothing here. And I know you two have some disagreement. And Anthony, you're coming with me. Yes, I am. La Dea are absolutely flying huge win against Napoli on the road on Saturday afternoon was a nice little money line cash. Uh, I think they're playing at a much higher level in Italy right now. When you look at the expected goals numbers for the season, they're plus 0.5 expected goal difference per 90. Whereas when you look at Villarreal Villarreal in Spain, kind of in a bit of a slog here, like they're not performing particularly well, plus 0.2 per 90. They've had a ton of defensive miscues that have led to goals in these last few games. And Barcelona game just gave away the game with a dumb penalty and a dumb giveaway, a bad header on a long ball. When they played Man United, it was a bad pass from Ruli out of the back that led to United's game-winning goal. Did not offer much once they went behind against Sevilla. And I'm not saying Atalanta is on Sevilla's level in terms of defensive ability, but Atalanta's ability to put pressure on the back line to force them into mistakes. Uh, I think we're getting a cheap number here on Atalanta, minus 125. My number is minus 140. I know BJ disagrees. I think we always disagree on Atalanta, but I love the boys from Bergamo at home to get all three points, get into the knockout stage. Giampiero Gasparini into the knockout stage. Uh, BJ, I know you are looking towards the yellow submarine on this one, but I I think it does beg the question, as Anthony touched on, uh, Atalanta's flying domestically right now. They look good. Their underlying numbers are good. Uh, it looks like that this team that everyone fell in love with two years ago is starting to show up again. 
but where do you think this line would be, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? I, I think form obviously matters. So that's why it's moved the way or it's it is where it is. I guess you are looking at a potential uh, sell high spot on Atlanta. Yeah, this is this is purely a numbers play. Listen, I don't disagree that Atalanta has been playing really well. I mean, 0.56 expected goals against Juventus, you know, the 3-3 draw against Young Boys, only 1.4 expected goals. So not that great. You know, they, they obviously they killed Venetia, but who doesn't? Uh, they killed Spezia, who doesn't? You know, so that kind of inflates their numbers in Syria. Uh, Villarreal, like you mentioned, they only need a draw. And as we see with Unai Emery in the past, He's very good at setting his team up very defensively to basically play out a draw. Villarreal is in the bottom half of the table in La Liga, but they do have around a plus two expected goal differential. So some positive regression is coming for them, especially offensively. They've only scored 16 goals, uh, but have created 21 expected goals. What worries me about Villarreal in this type of situation is they haven't played well against the big boys. So like, you know, on our last podcast, I mentioned that against, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, they combined lost the expected goals about around seven expected goals to 2.5. Now is that a line to up in the level of those three teams? Probably right now they are. Yeah. But given how good Villarreal has been in the champions, like they've actually been the best team by expected goals in this group around a plus seven expected goal differential. I do think that Atalanta is a tad overvalued here. I only have Atalanta, I believe, at around plus 170. I think, you know, this match should be around a pick them. If you look at 538, they only have Atalanta at 48%, which creates a little bit of value on Villarreal. I understand Atalanta has to win. They got to go for it. But as Unai Emery has shown in the past, he can set his team up very good defensively, essentially park the bus and try to play out a 0-0 draw. So I'm going to back my boy, Unai Emery, and take Villarreal plus half a goal at plus 115. Yeah, uh, like I was talking about with Sevilla, Villarreal, another team that is just an absolute menace to deal with in knockout football. So uh, if you are into betting flyers, there's some big numbers out there on the Yellow Submarine, who won the Europa League last year. The team they beat in the Europa League final was Manchester United, who are minus 255 at Old Trafford against Young Boys, who are plus 650. The draw is plus 425, 3 p.m. kickoff. It's a revenge spot for Manchester United, who lost to Young Boys in week one of the Champions League, which feels like it was three years ago. The coach or the manager of that team is now gone, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. In comes Ralph Ragnick. He guides Manchester United to a victory in his first match. They are in pretty good form since Solskjaer left. They're collecting wins right now. I don't see much value. Honestly, it would be Young Boys or nothing for me, but I would need a much bigger number to go against United on the road. So I'm going to stick away from this one. United's already through. They need a point to clinch first. So the situation just is too much. Nothing for me in this one. Anthony, what about you? Under three is even money right now. I took that right before we started recording this podcast. Uh, Betting on Ragnick, defensive improvement before they situate the attack situation. Uh, I think what we saw in the first match today, I watched all 90 minutes against Palace. The defensive pressing ability, which I was expecting to see, you're starting to see it already. And he's only been there, uh, you know, but there's a clear change in the tactics and the way that they are defensively aligned. And I think it's going to make them a much better defensive team. Somebody on Twitter mentioned this. They look a lot more like a Ralph Hasenhutl Southampton defensive pressing side than they do a maybe a Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp, heavy metal football, aggressive press. Young boys attack is much better at home in Switzerland than they've been on the road. Look no further than the reverse fixture when they created way more chances. Same thing when they played Real at home. Same thing when they played that thrilling 3-3 draw with Atalanta at home. When they went on the road to Atalanta, less than 0.2 expected goals. When they went on the road to Villarreal, not nearly as good an attack either. Just don't really know Young Boys goes for this here. And I expect 
United, they don't have a ton to play for, so they may rotate some attackers, maybe no Ronaldo, manage his minutes, but I'm expecting them to give a, a full defensive effort here because they're trying to figure out their system and their tactics, and they need the game time and the minutes and the, the competition to do that. So I like under three here. I think it's a, a pretty straightforward victory for United in the end. DJ, uh, before we get to our best bets, do you have any uh, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, like Anthony mentioned, I'm very interested to see, you know, in the second match, what they do in Regnick. Obviously, they're going to be pressing a lot better. They're going to have more defensive structure. That first match against Young Boys, I mean, Young Boys deserve that 2-1 win. They won on expectables 1.4 to around 0.5 United. They don't have anything to play for, so I do have some projected value on United, but at the same time, it's very hard for me to lay, you know, multiple goals with a team that has nothing to play for and a team like Young Boys who is very open at the back. And if they're going to be going for this match, it's a really bad match, no matter who really United has out there as an attacking. Because, you know, even though they've struck, United has struggled offensively. And even if Ronaldo's not out there, from a talent level perspective, Manchester United is leaps and bounds better than Young Boys. So I can say it really doesn't matter who they put out there as ter- in terms of attackers. But again, without a team, since they have no motivation, they got nothing to play for. It's very hard for me to lay multiple goals. So uh, I agree with Anthony that, you know, defensive regression is going to come for United under Rangnick. They're going to be playing a lot better defensively. This could this is a situation where we could see that could barely easily see United winning one or two nothing uh, against Young Boys. So uh, it's a pass for me, but I'm interested to see how United plays the second time under Rangnick. All right. Uh, with that, we will move on to our favorite bets of match week six, the final part of the group stages of the Champions League. Anthony, let's start with you. What is your favorite bet? Inter Milan plus a half minus one thirty at the Bernabeu against Real Madrid. No Karim Benzema for Real Madrid in this match. Big loss for them. Both teams are playing for first place. The situation here, Inter needs a win. Real needs a draw to clinch first place. So if it's tied late, I like Inter Milan here. I think they're going to be the team going for the win. Real doesn't necessarily need to win it. It's not really priced in in the market here. Inter was also the better team in the first leg that they played at the San Siro. Won the expected goals battle two to one. Gave up a late goal in stoppage time. Undeserved loss. They've also been better in their domestic league in terms of performances. Real Madrid still leaking goals at the back. Not sure they can defend Inter here and their attack, which has been significantly improved. And so I'm taking them plus a half at minus 130, laying a little bit of juice, but think that it's still undervalued. And BJ, your favorite bet this week? I like Sevilla, plus 155 on the road against Salzburg. The first time these two met, I mean, Salzburg had three penalties in the first half. So the expected final expected goals is around uh, three expected goals for Salzburg around 1.8 for Sevilla. So you see that, but if you take away those three penalties, Salzburg only created 0.75 expected goals from open play. Sevilla is one of the top 10 team in Europe. They're incredibly good defensively. They're very good with their structure and they're very good at changing their tactics and their formations, given how their opponent plays. So they're going to be playing a Salzburg team. That's going to come up. They're going to press. They're going to play high tempo. Sevilla is the best team against the press in La Liga. They're first in offensive passes per defensive action. They'll be able to play through Salzburg's press, you know, much like they did in the first half the last time. They got a red card in the 50th minute, which, you know, threw the game for a loop. This is still one of the top 10 teams in Europe. They're way better from a talent perspective than Salzburg. I have Sevilla projected at plus 115, so I love them at plus 155. And my favorite bet, I like Lil on the money line, plus 235. Wolfsburg, uh, they need to win this match to have a chance. Lil just needs a, a result to get through. So uh, I'll take one of the best defensive teams in Ligue 1, one of the one of the toughest teams to break down in this tournament. Uh, they have been incredibly unlucky domestically. 
been pretty impressive. I did not like them coming into this tournament. I've turned, changed my tune. So give me Lil plus 235 against a really, really average Wolfsburg team. And that will do it. For Anthony DeBundo, for BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Lieboff. We'll see you guys on Thursday morning where we'll preview the Premier League and the rest of Europe in the Domestic League. And then in a couple weeks, we'll be talking uh, knockout stages of the Champions League. So until then, thank you very much. Thank you.